Hi, it's Zoe and welcome to 2021. This is our first podcast episode of the year and it is chock full of updates, of recommendations and my favorite bit, how to bust procrastination for good. No joke, <laughs> this is a good one. Okay, let's do it. Welcome to the Zoe Routh Leadership Podcast, where we share all things people stuff in leadership. Learn from leaders who have done the hard yards and learn from experience. Hear from expert authors about the latest insights from culture to strategy and messy people dynamics. Get tips and insights from multiple award-winning author and leadership expert herself, Zoe Routh. Now, on with the show. How about that? We also have a new intro spiel. <laughs> My sound editor, Chris, recommended that we do something a little bit different. And since it's a new year, yeah, why not do something new? So if you like it, let me know. If you don't like it, also let me know. <laughs> that would be fantastic. So, so much to share with you. I've had an amazing break. I hope you have had a break too, wherever you are in the world. And when it comes to breaks, it's a good time to escape. I did so much reading. It was awesome, as well as so much inspiration that comes from that. And a lot of the updates are about some of that inspiration. Uh, first of all, you need to know about what we're doing with the podcast this year. I alluded to it a little bit in some of the previous episodes at the end of 2020. And essentially, we are changing the format up a little bit. Uh, we are going to center each quarter on a theme, and the theme is going to parallel what we're doing in Amplifiers, which is my high-level leadership program for CEOs and managing directors. Our theme for this quarter is from leading culture. The subsection is developing leadership in others. So this is a pretty big topic and a one that doesn't get a lot of attention when we talk about leadership. And it's so important because what amplifiers do is they build capacity not only in themselves, but in the people around them, as well as across the organization as a whole, because leaders don't operate in a solo enterprise. <laughs> they need to do stuff with others. And so when we learn to do that better, all things improve. Okay, and it's really about leverage. So that's a theme for this quarter. So along with the theme, the, the podcast format is going to take this, um, and we were kind of experimenting with this a little bit last year. We're going to have interviews with authors. That's going to continue. We're going to have interview with leaders. That's also going to continue. We are going to have specific solo sodes with actions and insights and book reviews. So this is really like your go-to shop for developing your leadership capacity, which is easily accessible in bite-sized chunks for you. Well, that's my intention anyway. It's all about developing your people stuff skills. Okay, um, on this particular episode, I'm going to give you an overview of what's coming up so you can get all set for that. And then at the end, we're going to dive into specific tips and insights around productivity and procrastination. Uh, I'm really excited for that because it's made such a huge difference to me over these last few weeks. So I'm looking forward to sharing that. All right. So uh, lining up for the podcast, just a little heads up, see what we've got coming up. We've got some amazing authors interviews. Matt Casey, he's, uh, I think he's Irish. <laughs> Uh, the interview, I'm actually recording the interview this afternoon. So I'm recording this podcast episode. It is the 19th today of January. It'll be released next week. And then Matt's interview is released, I think, the week after that. So he's coming up pretty quick. 
Ginny Whitelaw. Wow, she's amazing. She is a former NASA scientist and Zen master. I love her book, Resonate. It's something I recommended in the newsletter this week. Um, yeah, she's amazing. We've got Gabrielle Dolan, also a complete legend, <laughs> epic genius that she is. She's got another new book out on storytelling. I think this one is called Magnetic Stories. And she writes well. She, I always recommend her work in terms of helping people become more influential in their communication by using stories. So that'll be really super cool. And we've got Rebecca Fries, who wrote The Good Culture. Liz Wiseman, also coming up on the show. She's the author of bestseller Multipliers, which is on the reading list for Amplifiers this uh, quarter as well. So that'll be going to the Amplifiers members in February as part of our support in the work of learning how to develop leadership in others. And the book's extraordinary. Like it's well researched and well cataloged. And how to become a multiplier is basically how to become an amplifier. How do you amplify leadership and ability in others so that you can get astounding results in your organization? So she'll be on the show. She's got a new book coming out as well. And then we've got a series of amazing leaders from Ireland and from Japan and from Canberra, also a local business leader. And she's got a great story to tell about being a young business leader and what it means to leave a firm and start up your own firm. So that's some of the really cool stuff that's coming up on the show this quarter. By the way, what is a quarter? <laughs> We're kind of loosely tracking it from February to the end of April. So that's the first quarter of this year. Not quite a pure January to end of March because most of January I was on leave. <laughs> okay. Well, so some other really cool news is I'm writing a book. Specifically, I'm writing two more books, two new books. <laughs> Instead of just doing one book per year, I'm doing two. Maybe that's crazy, maybe not. Now, the big news is that one of those is a novel. Yes, my very first piece of fiction. I've been sort of thinking about writing fiction for a while now. And seriously thinking about it for the last six months, ever since I did a writing course with Stephen Kotler and fell in love again with the act of creating and using language to portray amazing experiences. So over the break, I started pottering around writing a novel. Um, and yes, people are going to ask, what, what's the genre? What's, the, what's it about? It is a uh, near future urban fantasy. <laughs> I had to like research what genre it was because... Um, this is a whole new universe. And this is the other thing I discovered in starting to write a novel is that, ah, oh, you know, I'm a writer. I've written four books already. It's just a different approach. It's like going for a bushwalk and discovering you're on Mount Everest. Like there's a bit more to it. So I've been immersing myself in podcasts and books about writing as well as writing itself. Uh, yeah, so that is the genre. I won't give too many other secrets away. If you want to follow along and some of the insights, you can go to my Goodreads author page. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes for you in case you're interested in following along my fiction journey. The other book I'm writing about is one on power. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that topic too. I think it's a really um, salient and relevant one. As we look at politics around the world in particular, we see how power is being exercised, abused, used in all sorts of different ways. And when it comes to talking with leaders, it's one thing that they wrestle with, maybe not even consciously, is how to exercise power ethically and responsibility and how to speak truth to power. Like there's so much in this topic. So those are the two books. One will inform the other. So the research I'm doing with uh, the nonfiction book on power, 
themes of it will likely show up in the fiction book. So yeah, exciting stuff, hey? (laughs) I can't wait to share with you. When can you expect the book in your hands? Not before middle of the year, that is for sure, particularly the novel as it is a new project and I don't know what I don't know at this stage. So there you go. Uh, Some other news we've got, we've got a giveaway on the podcast coming up in March. We're thinking about, uh, in exchange, of course, for a review and rating, not just a rating because that's super easy. A review is really helpful on the podcast where you actually say what you enjoyed and what you're getting out of it. Um, We want to exchange that for something really cool, which we're looking at maybe a personally signed copy of my multiple award-winning book, People Stuff, um, which is my latest nonfiction book, or a People Stuff mug. Or maybe you have a choice of the two. I'm not sure. But anyway, that's what we're contemplating. It's going to kick off in March. So if you're a regular listener, you can sharpen your pencil and get ready to leave us a rating and review. And if you think about doing it now and you just want to do it now, just do it and email me at zoe at intercompass.com.au and tell me that you've done it. And we'll make sure that you're con- you are as part of the giveaway. <laughs> so if you're an early bird and you like to get things done as soon as you hear it, great. Do that you're in, something cool will come your way. Now, also in March, we are going to be running a free mini course, not through the podcast, but we will let you know about it on the podcast. If you're on my newsletter list, you'll find out and you can just sign up for that at zoerouth.com. That's where you get my written articles on leadership each week. The free mini course will be on elite executive teams, everything you need to know to develop and maintain a brilliant executive team. This seems to be one of the inquiries I get most often. It's like, how do I get my executive team to perform better, to be more strategic, to build their culture, to work better together? So we're going to address that in a series of one-hour webcasts over a period of three weeks, kicking off in March. And we'll get the registration up and going in February. So in a couple weeks, we'll let you know that registrations are open. There'll be some uh, advanced stuff, resources, materials before we actually do the live webcasts. So that's coming up in March too. So on to actions and insights. One of our listeners, Courtney, she asked me about a previous episode that she'd been listening to recently on my book review of James Clear's Atomic Habits. And she said, so do, have you maintained your habits? And I'm like, I don't know. It's been two years since I recorded that. I don't even remember what I talked about in that episode. And then she started to list all the things I mentioned. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know what would be really good is to go back and review what happened sort of like down the road two years later. What have I maintained? What have I haven't? And it's good for accountability and honesty because... I believe in integrity and you should too. So I went back and I listened to that episode. It's episode 95 and the link will be in the show notes for you. And then also found episode 100, which is a review of habits and rituals, which is on the same theme of uh, atomic habits. And one of the key things in that recording, which, um, which I wrote down because it's useful for me to remember because even though the specific wording has gone for me, the theme is still the same. And in Atomic Habits, James Clears talks about developing an identity that you want to hone and your habits are proof of that. They reinforce the identity that you want to develop. So the exercise is first writing out the phrase, I'm the type of person who. And the phrase I wrote is, I'm the type of corporate athlete who has dedicated rituals for eating, exercising, and sleeping. This is still an important factor for me. So even though I forgot the specific phrase, 
it's definitely something I have been putting a lot of attention to over the last two years. Um, and the outcome I want is a high octane life, which is a really cool phrase. <laughs> I wish I'd remembered that. It would have been helpful for me. So those two things, uh, even though the specifics were gone, were definitely still themes for me. Then I went into like, okay, well, what have I maintained? One of the things I haven't done, and this is the confession piece, is get a Kindle. So in that episode of Book Review of Atomic Habits, one of the things I wanted to stop doing was the habit of, on my iPad, picking it up first thing, getting into email, social media, and news. Because A, it sets you up for a really bad mood, and B, is a complete time suck and is not lining up with my priorities. So in that episode, I figured, well, what I'll do is I'll get a Kindle and this will be what I would do in the mornings. I can read fiction or nonfiction on the Kindle and there's nothing else on it. It's a single use device. And at the time of the recording, I said, I'd go ahead and get that and then report back. Well, between that episode being recorded, being published, the upshot is I did not get a Kindle. I kept going with the iPad and two years later, I was still bloody falling into the habit of email, social media, and news at inappropriate times, i.e. in the morning or trying to go to sleep at night. And it was this niggling habit I just wanted to crack. And it's been really irritating me for the last six months or so. I'm like, I haven't nailed this one. So I went back to first principles and redesigned my environment with it. So just recently... And this is the first productivity tip, I guess, uh, focus tip, I guess, is I, um, as a bonus for, this is a little side shoot, which comes back to the main point. Stephen Kotler is releasing a new book, uh, The Art of Impossible. And with it was a whole bunch of new bonuses, which include uh, distraction busters. I'm not even sure that's the right title of the little mini program, but in it, it's like how to set up your phone and your, and your devices so they don't suck you into the vortex which had been happening I'm like great finally I'm going to do this and on the iPad deleted all my social media accounts Woohoo! <laughs> so many of you are already smart and have done that so I got rid of Facebook LinkedIn Twitter all of that and I rearranged the icons so that the easily distracting ones i.e email are at the very end on like the fifth screen so you have to there's a barrier to entry you have to go flick 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 click and amazing as that seems, it's enough of a barrier not to tempt me. So I don't have, and I turned off all the notifications. That's the other key thing. So you don't get the, ooh, six emails waiting for you or 600 or whatever it is. Don't get any of that. So when I pick up the iPad, it is more likely that I will go to my key priorities, which is book reading, <laughs> which is both for business and for fun. Um, that's been amazing. And the other stuff I did, let me just, I'm jumping ahead here on my notes, but I think it's, it's helpful. Okay, um, for my phone, yep, turned off all the social media off my phone and the tablet. The screensaver on my phone, this is an interesting one, is completely black. So instead of having a nice picture of whatever, you want to make your phone as little enticing as, as possible. <laughs> so if you have nice pictures to look at on your cover, it's, you're more likely to pick it up. It's just one of the things, oh, let's make it more inviting, let's make it less inviting. All notifications are gone on my phone. I've put do not disturb on permanently. And I think there's there's also an autoresponder in there, which if people try and text you or call you, they get a message back saying, hey, I'm working on stuff and I'll get back to you end of the day. Uh, something to that effect. Um, 
in my email, this is your productivity tip here. I've got a I've got a new app called Inbox When Ready, and this is really cool. It's free to install. I'm not sure if it works with any other application apart from Gmail, but it's worth checking out. And essentially you install it, and what it allows you to do is hide your inbox. So there's a little tab there you click hide inbox. Like when you log in, there's no like 100 emails sitting there. You have to click on show me show me emails and there they all are. So if you do have to work on something that uses email and you don't want to be distracted by stuff coming in and out of your inbox, like that happens to me a lot. I often have to generate a lot of emails and then all of a sudden somebody something will come in from Jack and I have to respond to Jack and then whoosh, then I'm in the rabbit hole again. So hide your inbox means you can work on emails if you need to without getting distracted by other people's emails coming to you. Ha, huh, this is so good. And it also tells you how many times you looked at your inbox and how many minutes you spent there. <laughs> so a little bit of ooh, reality checking around that. So I've had that going for a month now. It is awesome. I love it. Um, that has reduced the temptation to do email at non-useful, uh, non-productive times. Uh, the other thing for the desktop is get all of your like um, desktop folders cleaned up. So I had this big like screenshots automatically default to my uh, desktop and it was just piling up with all these screenshots and other stuff. So I went in and changed the settings and now there's only one file that comes up on the desktop when I open it. So again, sort of a clean surface, nothing distracting there. Uh, and it's my Google Drive file. And that's not that exciting anyway, so I don't click. I could probably take that off the desktop. And then on the Mac computer, I'm not sure what it is for Windows, there's like a nav bar with all your relevant apps. Instead of having like 50 different apps there, I squeezed it down to about four, the ones that I want to prioritize when I get into my computer, which are my, um, my Scrivener tab, which is my book writing, because I am writing two books this year, my book writing. So I get some book writing done immediately. It's the first thing I open. Um, so I have that. I have my uh, Google Chrome tab, for which is where I have my Gmail account set up. And largely that's it. <laughs> Maybe my PowerPoint and Pages apps, but that's it. So I don't have a whole bunch of apps sitting in the dock. I have to go into, if I want to specifically use their apps, those apps through the Finder button to pull them up. So that's really cool. Um, what else for productivity? Oh yeah, know what your top three priorities are. This sounds obvious. It's, it's not like a train smashingly amazing tip, but I know what my three priorities are. And I've rigorous, rigorously thought about that. I've got the book writing. So I've got two books I'm producing. I've got growing amplifiers. It's my community of leaders. And all work sort of spins out of that, and that's really important to me. And everything that we're doing in terms of content delivery is going to be centered around that. So there's not an endless tangent of ideas always being uh, pummeled out. <laughs> pummeled out? That's not the right expression. So that I'm not distracted by five different topics. It's one topic, and everything gets rolled out from there. And my third priority is my energy. So because I am building a high-octane life. <laughs> Okay, so those are my productivity tips that came out of reviewing that podcast, but I thought it would be really cool to actually look back for accountability purposes to what specifically were the rituals I committed to two years ago and how did I go, which is essentially saying, does the system work? You know, what, 
whatever uh, James Clear advocated in his book that I implemented and what I've kept doing on that I can recommend to others. Well, since I read his book, I bought his journal for tracking habits and that is awesome. So I think that has kept me focused and intentional around creating these rituals and routines. So I would definitely recommend that to everybody. You have a journal where you can track your habits, whether you get James Clear's book on that or you just use your own journal and set up the way that you like. Essentially, that's what I've ended up doing with his journal anyway. He had the, he had about a dozen sheets that are pre structured, I guess, and it's basically just a grid journal after that. So I'm just using a grid journal within that to set up and track my uh, habits. So looking back two years ago, what are the morning rituals? I'm going to go through this and give my score, did it, didn't, did it, or didn't do it, and change it, and then summarize what I'm doing now. Um, Okay, morning ritual. Uh, Basically from 5 to 8.30, this is still the same. I get up around 5 and start work around 8.30. So two years ago, it was wake up, glass of water with lemon juice and a pinch of sea salt. Nope, (laughs) I'm not doing that. (laughs) Instead, I'm doing uh, a glass of tianchi, which is my adaptogenic herbs. And um, that essentially does the same thing in terms of digestion and hydration, and but also good for nervous system. So that's what I'm doing instead of glass of water. Cup of green tea, yup. So I get up, have my tianchi, make the tea. Meditate 20 minutes while tracking heart rate and heart rate variability. Yes, I'm still doing that. In fact, I've bumped it up in the last week to 30 minutes, uh, which is great. Next is journal. Uh, journaling. And I had these specific journaling questions I wrote. How do I show, how did I show kindness yesterday? What was the one moment I want to remember from today? Decision journal. Uh, What questions or challenges do I have? What decision am I making? What led me to that decision? Nope. (laughs) I'm not doing those particular journaling questions. I am journaling other things, which when I tell you what I'm doing now, I'll tell you about uh, a run or a workout is the next listed item. Yes, I definitely still do that. I run three times a week. I go to the gym four times a week. Uh, I think that's about right. So I, I do seven or eight workouts a week. Next item is cold shower and dress. Nope, <laughs> I'm not doing a cold shower fully. I have a regular shower and finish with a cold rinse. And that was a compromise on that one. Having a cold shower day, yeah. I'm not that hard ass. <laughs> and the last piece is for the morning routine is start day with top three priorities. Uh, mostly that's true. Yeah, I do have a discipline about that. So I'm pretty good with pri- my priorities and getting focused on the day before and what I'm doing that day. So the next part of the routines were nutrition. <laughs> mm, yeah, here we go. Accountability. 16 to 8 fasting protocol. That means fasting for 16 hours and eating in an eight-hour window. I did that for a while, um, and then I stopped when I was training for a half marathon because I found I just wasn't feeling good or energized with it when I was amping up the kilometers. So I ended up stopping it. I've reintroduced more of a 14-hour minimum fasting protocol. So these days, I try and go 14 hours, and then sometimes bump it up to 16 or 18 hours. So that's what I'm doing with the fasting piece. Carb cycling? Nope. I am not doing that. By the way, I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to go through and read what I actually committed to two years ago. Um, And then also have in the show notes what I'm doing now. 
So I'm not doing the carb cycling, though it's good. Uh, I wish I would do it, and but it's hard. <laughs> it's hard not to eat carbs. Um, and carbs are, you know, toast and rice and oats and fruit, and basically just eating vegetables, essentially. Uh, yeah, so uh, I'm not committing to that one. 24-hour fast weekly? Nope, I'm not doing that. I'm doing it very occasionally. I have to say I dropped off the fasting thing pretty quick. <laughs> I found it pretty tough. Though it's amazing, and it feels good if you manage to do it. So maybe I'll try and reintroduce a 24-hour fast periodically. Our next one, weekly infrared sauna? Nope. <laughs> I think I had one sauna, and that was it. Uh, with COVID lockdown, couldn't go into a sauna place. I don't have a sauna here. Um, it was an extra trip, so there was barriers to getting that habit ingrained, that's for sure. And the last one for that was pescatarian slow-carb diet. Yes, I have managed to establish that. Uh, so that is clearly embedded. So my sleep routine, my evening routine, starts between 8.30 and 9. Um, yep, that's generally when I go to bed. Um, here's the one, iPad charging in a separate room. Nope, <laughs> the iPad is always next to my bedside. Cold shower and moisturizer? Nope. My nutritionist said, don't have a cold shower before bed. It activates your sympathetic nervous system. I'm like, oh, okay, so I don't do that. What I do instead is I wash my face and brush my teeth and that's it. Essential oils on the bottom of the feet? Nope, forgot about that. That would be a good one to do. Meditation, 10 minutes, only sporadically, have not embedded that as a habit. Track sleep quality and quantity with the Aura Ring. Yes, I love my Aura Ring. So that's one thing I did commit to and implement after that uh, James Clear habit thing is the Aura Ring. And it gives you so much intel about how you're sleeping. And so that's also kept my awareness about my sleep patterns and my hygiene that I'm doing. Okay, so that's the review of, of my sleeping habits. So I give myself, oh, I don't know, a 75, 80? Uh, in terms of actually falling through with stuff. So, um, yeah, there you go. Now, where's my list of habits now that I... Uh, right. I thought I had it ready for you, so I'm going to have to tell you how it's different. Okay, so my morning routines and rituals for now are very similar to what they were two years ago. Wake up at 5, goes to 8.30. I talked about the Tian Chi, the cup of green tea, meditation for 30 minutes, the journaling. The journaling that I'm doing now, and this ties into the tips on procrastination. So the journaling I do in the morning is I wake up and I think about um, what I want. And this is coming from a new program I'm doing with Strategic Coach. Uh, it's run by Dan Sullivan. He's a Canadian. He has coaching. He's been running coaching entrepreneurs for not, since 1991. So well-established. I've just joined his one of his groups. And one of the one of his principles is that you've got to become a really good wanter as an entrepreneur. And what that means is he journaled every day for 25 years about what he wanted. That's an extraordinary commitment, don't you think? He said, except for nine days. And he didn't tell anybody about it. So for 25 years, he pulled out his journal every day, wrote in things he wanted. And he's created an extraordinary business, an extraordinary life. So he correlates and causates, if that's the right word, Definitely attributes a lot of success to this habit. So I'm like, okay, I love it. So I started writing down in the morning what I want. And it's not just what I want now. It's projecting forward 
to the age uh, for 25 years in the future. And this comes to the first procrastination tip framework is one of the things Dan Sullivan said with this 25 years thing. He goes, think back on the previous 25 years you've just lived through. 25 years ago, I was 25. And where was I? I was working at summer camp. And I'd been working there for, I don't know, seven or eight summers. Um, I did not know what was ahead of me. I decided to go to Outward Bound at, at the age of 26 the following year. And he says, what you do in your, in your reflection on your 25 years is think about all the amazing things that you've experienced and accomplished in, those, in that time frame. So I thought about it. From 25 to 50, what's happened? What have I done? And I started listing it all off. I'm like, oh, my goodness. There's a huge amount of really cool stuff that's happened. I went to Australia. I worked at Outward Bound for nine years. I set up the instructor training program there. It won multiple awards. I went through lots of personal development. I had lots of amazing adventures. I uh, started my own business, my own coaching business. I had cancer. I got married. Um, I wrote four books. I worked at the Rural Leadership Foundation for five years and had many different adventures and learnings there and just went on and on and on. It's like, whoa, did I, could I have forecast any of that at the age of 25? No, because I didn't have a practice of knowing what I wanted. I kind of just lurched from the nearest want to the next. And, uh, it's extraordinary when you think about it. We accomplish so much more than we expect from ourselves. And if we forecast 25 years into the future, so 25 years from now, I will be 75, it'll be 2046. What could I have accomplished in the next 25 years if I was deliberate and intentional about it? And that kind of blew my mind. I'm like, well, there's no way I could have imagined all the amazing stuff that's happened to me at the age of 25. Who knows what's going to unfold in the next 25? So this journaling practice of journaling about what you want is one of the key ways to start to bring some of the amazingness to fruition. And when you put it out there on paper, it becomes more real to you and you find yourself uh, looking, f it's activating your um REM system, is that even the right? I think it is reactivating, reacticular. Somebody's going to tell me. <laughs> it puts it in your awareness and if you, so you become more attuned to it. So all of a sudden, I find myself taking actions about these little things and big things. Writing a novel was about that because I realized I wanted to write creatively. And if, if I hadn't put it down and addressed it, it would just become a want. So this is the 25-year framework piece that leads into the journaling practice for the morning. Phew, back to that. Um, run or work out? Yes, cold shower? No, sorry. Run or work out, dress, three priorities, off we go. So that's my morning ritual. My evening ritual um, <clears throat> is basically shut down things at between 8.30 and 9, uh, wash the face, do the teeth, uh, pull out my journal again. So this is a new thing. And in my journal at night, this is what I journal on. I... Um, I list gratitude, five things I am grateful for, and uh, five people I'm grateful for, and what it's meant to me. So it really helped channel that sense of appreciation for what's going on. And then I do the procrastination exercise. And this is your big key takeaway from today. So listen up. <laughs> this is really super important. This is the exercise I got from Strategic Coach as well, is that when it comes to procrastination, List three things you are procrastinating about. Uh, so you list the three things, and then you ask yourself why. Now, I think when you're assessing whether or not it's 
these are worth procrastinating about or worth ditching or worth acting on. Um, I found that if I'm procrastinating about something, there's a couple of reasons. One, maybe it's not aligned to my key priorities. So it's not something I'm really passionate or care about. That could be one of the reasons I'm procrastinating about it. Two, it could be that it's a should or an obligation. And so there's a bit of resentment around it. Three, and this is the important one, is that if it is something important and you haven't taken action on it and you beat yourself up about it, like I was for my book writing, my novel writing, it's because there's probably a capacity or a skill that you need to learn in order to implement it. And so we get stuck there because we think, I don't know how to do it. I don't even know where to stop, start. And so we don't start. This is the critical juncture because in order to learn new capabilities, you need to take a courageous action. So what's required is the first courageous action. And you want to shrink that down to the lowest, easiest, most implementable step. So my exercise in my journal around procrastination is, is that, is I list three things I'm procrastinating about, but I make sure before I write them on that list, I assess them. You know, is this something that I really care about or is it an obligation? If it's one of those two things, I don't put it down. Is it something that lines up with my core goals and it's important to me? Yes, it goes on there. And since I started doing that, those become your priorities for the next day, by the way. <laughs> to take some action on those procrastination pieces. Since I started doing that, a couple of amazing things have happened. I started writing the novel, declared it to the world. That's kind of the big one. And little things too, like a pair of pants I've had sitting on my chair in my bedroom that needed repairing, have sat there for nine months. <laughs> really, like it's embarrassing to admit that. So I'm like, that every time I looked at it, I'm like, oh, there's something I needed to do. So it felt like it should. And it was something that I cared about because I wanted to keep using those pants. So I'm like, damn it. All right, I'm going to just deal with this. So I pulled out the pants, got out my sewing kit. It took me five minutes to fix those pants. Five minutes. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, nine months of angst for five minutes of attention. <sighs> So that spurred me to address some more of these little niggling things. And they went on my daily, what am I procrastinating about? And dealing with them. Because I didn't want to waste any more energy on having these things I know I needed and wanted to do, but wasn't doing it. And then sort of beating myself up about it. Screw that. I got them done. Um, so this has been an amazing breakthrough for me in terms of getting cracking through procrastination on the little things. And the big thing. So I've got, here's a big one that I started to tackle. I've been procrastinating on trying to figure out all of my sound IT. And at the beginning of lockdown, I'd invested in all this equipment. And some of it worked and some of it didn't. And that was really frustrating for me. I'm like, I even got expert help to help me set it all up. And he couldn't figure it out either. I'm like, ah. So I bought some more gear, hoping that that would solve the problem, but hadn't tested it yet. I'm like, why am I not testing this? And I worked out, uh, I don't have the skill. I don't have the capacity for it yet. So I need to take courageous action. So the courageous action was pulling it all out and trying to figure it out. <laughs> this is not a happy story, by the way, this part, because I ran, but it's useful to know because it doesn't always, this exercise doesn't always, isn't always a smooth uh, experience. Pulled it all out, couldn't get it to work, watched some videos, 
not sure which pieces I needed to do. Wasn't all working properly. Wasn't sure how to test it. So I'm like, great. Maybe I don't have the capacity and can't teach myself. Maybe I need to get expert help. So I then spent a good hour Googling who can help me with this stuff. Like, I don't even know who does this. Like, who helps independent uh, experts trying to figure out their home IT audio stuff? I don't know. But I Googled and found a place, experts in Huaga. I emailed them and they get an autoresponder back saying, we're on holidays through January. I'm like, ah! <laughs> I still count it as a win because I d went through all that pain and it was nothing but pain and frustration because it should be easy, right? It should be able to pick up your IT stuff, plug it in, have it work. It should be easy to find someone to help you with it. Apparently not. So anyway, I've tackled it. I sent out my email. They'll be back at work soon. I will chase that up. And will egg, egg my way and inch my way through that. Yeah. So that's an irritating one. So that's what you do. So back to my evening routine in my journal. I'm doing gratitude. I'm looking at my procrastination pieces. And I'm identifying the key priorities and moving forward. If you do this one activity that out of all the things I've suggested, journaling about your procrastination will be your biggest breakthrough. That is for sure. Now there's one other key framework I wanted to make sure I cover um, <clears throat> from the 25-year framework is uh, as strategic coach, they also operate in 90-day segments like I do in my work, like we do at Thought Leaders Business School. And this is the really cool observation that he made. He said, over a 25-year period, any 90-day component in there is just 1% of those 25 years. Now that is significant, right? So the next 90 days is only 1% of your next 25 years. Why is that an exciting concept? <laughs> because it reminds you that your 90 days is not the be all and end all. You can set some significant goals, you can have some key objectives you want to, to hit. And if you don't get them all in the 90 days, it's just 1% towards the greater end of the next 25 years. So give yourself a break. It's no big deal. So it takes the pressure off. And I think this is a lovely frame because as leaders and as high octane corporate athletes, we need to have the incentive and the inspiration to get up and take action without burning ourselves out. And I think this framework really helps with that. It's like, yeah, let's play all out for 90 days. And remember, it's just 1% of the bigger picture that we're overall working towards. So yeah, I thought that was a really cool concept worth sharing. All right, I think that's sort of, oh, we're almost at the end here. So lots of news, lots of tips, lots of inspiration. I'm really super excited about sharing this year with you and this new framework. Um, looking forward to the podcast giveaway as well in March, as well as the, the free webinar series on developing your kick-ass executive team. So a um, couple of things that you consider doing. If you like this, you have questions you want to share, that would be really cool. I'd love to hear what your, your routines are and your procrastination breakthrough tips are. Feel free to email me, zoe at innercompass.com.au or post on the Facebook page. The link is always in the show notes there. Um, share your new habits and rituals that you're wanting to implement. And the other thing is consider joining us in Amplifiers. It We have a global virtual space now. So we... Our intention is always to have local chapters on the ground. And with COVID, well, you know, we're not doing that just yet. We have a local chapter in Canberra, 
conditions permitting. And we also have a virtual immersion program. So people can join from anywhere in the world, essentially. It's for CEOs, manager, managing directors, uh, senior executives who want to become wise and compassionate leaders who are producing bigger and better results. I'm so passionate about this because if events of the last few months or a few years anyway um, in the world have showcased anything is that we need wise and compassionate leaders who've got their stuff together and are making a difference and can operate effectively. And that's what I am dedicated to in my Amplifiers program and everything I do in my writing and my podcasting. And if that jazzes you up as much as it jazzes me up, <laughs> consider joining us. You can check it out at zoerouth.com slash amplifiers hyphen program. And the link will be in the show notes. Our next immersion uh, with the Amplifiers is February 11th. That's the virtual one. So if you're thinking about it, now's the time. Hop onto the website, have a look, see if it might be of interest to you. You can book a call with me and we have a conversation. Is it a fit for you or not? Is this something that's worthwhile for you to do or not right now? I'd love to chat with you anyway. Okay, that's it for today. Uh, welcome to 2021. I'm delighted and grateful that you're here listening. Thank you so much for being here. In the meantime, live well, lead well. You've been listening to the Zoe Routh Leadership Podcast with leadership expert Zoe Routh. For more about people stuff and to contact Zoe, go to zoerouth.com.